This is completely different than the vision of life that we see just in the world. This is a radically different perspective. And can you guys hear me? Yes. All right. It's just a little different for me, maybe because I'm up here, but it's good. As long as you can hear me, I can hear myself. So um, it's a radically different perspective on life. Uh, there was an American philosopher in the 20th century, one of the most influential thinkers of the time. His name was Thomas Kuhn, and he published a book called The Structure of Scientific Revolutions. And this book was so important that, it, that actually the publication of it was, was considered a transformative event. When, when something is written and the mere publication of it becomes an epic event itself, you know it's influential. And, and what he showed, he, in the book, he, he talked about the nature of scientific progress. And previously, people had thought that science, science progressed through the accumulation of information. And as we learned more, got more data, our perspective began to change, just the accumulation of, of information and data. But what he showed was that that's actually not how change happened, that change was more what he said episodic, meaning there was a view of the world, a view of a particular issue or science, and we, had, we gathered data that supported that view, but there would come to be outlying information that challenged the status quo. And as more and more information was gathered, what was required was not just new information, but a completely different view. And he coined the phrase, maybe you've heard of it, a paradigm shift. That change happened, not just merely accumulating information, but when there was enough different information that it led to a completely new view of a particular issue or life itself, that there was a paradigm shift. Jesus is presenting a paradigm shift. He's not saying, well, if you learn it, get a little more information about God, a little different view, then he's saying, no, you need to see life through a completely different lens. And so this morning, as we consider that Jesus is wanting to bring a revolution of thought, a revolutionary view, a, a revolutionary way of living that enables flourishing, Let's look at what he says here by pure in heart. Because Jesus, he's wanting, one of the revolutions that he wants to bring is wholeness, flourishing. That, that we just don't have a beating heart and breath, but that we can thrive. And I don't know about you, but I want that. I want that for myself. I want that for people I love. I want that for others, that we're not just existing but that we're flourishing. And Jesus wants to bring wholeness. And so this morning, we're going to press into one of the core, one of the central components, one of the real transformative perspectives that Jesus can bring. And I hope for us that it, we can take steps toward wholeness this morning. Really, two ways Jesus brings wholeness that we see reflected in our passage this morning. Two ways. Uh, first, we see that Jesus brings wholeness by integrating the internal and the external self. Jesus, he wants to integrate. He wants what is on the inside to be connected and reflected and integrated with the outside. 
Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart. He does not say, blessed are the pure in appearance. Blessed are the pure in heart. He does not say, blessed are the pure in appearance. Jesus is concerned about the heart. He talks about the heart all the time. Now, when we think of heart, we think of emotions, in, in Western perspective, when we hear heart, we think of desires and emotions, and that's a part. But Jesus, he wasn't American, he wasn't Western, he was a first century Hebrew, and heart in their context reflected the inner self, our thoughts, our feelings, and our, our emotions. It was what motivated us. It was who we genuinely are. It was who we are when no one else is looking. This was the heart. Jesus was concerned about the inner being, and there was a problem that Jesus is confronting over and over again. It was that many were concerned about appearing religious and spiritual and godly, but the inside was of no or little concern. And this was most often reflected in the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious leaders. And so Jesus, he would say things like this repeatedly. Matthew 23, woe to you. Now, anytime Jesus says, woe to you, that's, that's a pay attention. That's a, this is a problem. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. And he repeats it three times. Woe to you, hypocrites, you hypocrites. And, and here's some of what he says about it. He says, you give and have, you focus on your giving you, you give a, a worship, you worship God with giving a tithe and bringing things, but you have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy, which we talked about last week, justice and mercy and faithfulness. He's saying you worship God by bringing these offerings, and yet you neglect the weightier, the more important worship, and that's loving those in need. He'll say, Woe to you, you hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup, but inside you are full of greed and self-indulgence. Saying you're concerned about the outside and no concern for the inside. He also says, for you are like whitewashed tombs. Outwardly appear beautiful, but inward are full of rotting bones. See what Jesus is saying? He's saying you're, there's, you're hypocrites. You want to appear godly, without being godly. And Jesus says this over and over again. Now, when you think of a, excuse me, a hypocrite, what comes to mind? You know, many in our world, what comes to mind are Christians and the church. The desire to appear pure and godly without being pure and godly. The inside is not reflected in the outside. And the term that Jesus is using, hypocrite, the, the idea was a, a term used for an actor. Someone who would put on a mask, perform in front of others. They, they would put on a show, but they were acting. It wasn't reflecting of who they truly are. Jesus is saying, don't be a spiritual actor. Hypocrisy wants the appearance of godliness without being godly. Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, not blessed are the pure 
in appearance. Um, do any of you ever look at the Pottery Barn catalog? Yes, Emmy. That's your jam, probably. Megan, too. Yeah. Pottery Barn catalog. I don't even like decorating, but I still enjoy looking at the Pottery Barn catalog or any catalog for that matter. You look, and everything looks just so nice. You know, the, the, the lighting and the couch and all the furniture looks perfect. And even they'll have kids, and the children will be sitting with a book, reading, and smiling, like smiling at their sibling or someone. You know, and, and that's what catalogs are. You know, if you look at like a jewelry catalog, you know, it's like someone handing, or a commercial, jewelry commercials. Every kiss begins with K, right? Oh, it's so bad it works, doesn't it? Like I say it. This reminder that love can be bought, you know, if you just get the right jewelry, you'll be happy in the right furniture put in the right way. Now, you look at a catalog, and then you look at life, and there's a difference. Because in our home, you know, it's not like the furniture never looks like it does on the Pottery Barn catalog. It's always like our dog's hair floating around it. We have a, we have a golden retriever, and she sheds, and her hair is just constant float. Our kids, they, they hit each other with their books. They don't sit there and smile and read them. And, you know, love, it's just not as easy as just giving someone jewelry. And then, oh, wow, it all works out. Because sometimes we look at our life and we're like, when, when's that person going to show up? And many of us struggle because we, we think that pure of heart means we do the catalog version of Christianity. And many of us, and this is why... Many look at the church and Christians as hypocrites because we can go to a church and it feels like we're doing catalog Christianity. Many people feel this. They look at others and think, wow, you know, man, they, they don't have doubts and questions like I do. Man, these people, do they sin and have the struggles that I and when Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, he's not saying blessed are the pure in appearance. He's not trying to say, just look like you have it all together. He doesn't want catalog Christianity. He wants honest, honest spiritual living. And so then we ask, you know, how, what, does, what can this look like to be integrated? To have our internal self aligned with the external self. You know, Jesus says, for they shall see God. Here, for they shall see God. What, what do you see in someone who's integrated in the gospel? What does that look like? A few things. Here's what, what they see and what you can see in them. Again, remembering that Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, not blessed are the pure in appearance. How to integrate the heart with how we live. Be, being honest, here's what you can see. Someone who's integrated, they see the beauty of God's grace. When they see God, they see the beauty of his grace. You know, they understand that God knows them better than they know themselves. And God knows our best and our worst. And he still sends Jesus to die on the cross so that we could be brought into fellowship with God. God's not surprised by our sin. He's not thrown off. Whoa, 
I, I didn't, I mean, Jay, you're a pastor, and you sin. No, he, he knows. It, I'm, I'm mindful, uh, in a few weeks, our family, we're going to go down to South Florida to see family and spend some time on vacation. And I guarantee you, there's going to be time where I'm, here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to be like, oh, it's hot. It's hot here. <laughs> and you know what? When it's winter in Ohio, there's going to be a time where I'm going to look at Megan and I'm just like, man, it's cold. It's just cold. It's like, yeah, well, you know, in the summer, it's going to be hot. In the winter, it's going to be cold. You shouldn't be surprised. This, this, this isn't surprising. Go down to South Florida in June, it's going to be hot. We are imperfect people. When Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, he's not saying, blessed are those who appear to have it all together. He knows who we are. He invites us to bring our imperfections to him. To be honest about our struggles. To be honest about our doubts and our questions. He says, we, we see the beauty of his grace. And also, we see the beauty of God's glory. You know, the Pharisees... They wanted everyone to see them. That's why Jesus later in Matthew, we'll get to this come fall. We're going to be in Sermon on the Mount for a while. So Earlier in Matthew, it was like whole chapters one week, and now it's just one verse. It's, it's a fun, fun shakeup. But later in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is going to talk about, you know, the hypocrites, they give so that others see their good deeds. They pray so that others hear them. They fast so that others think that they're really godly. Jesus says they already have their reward. They want people to see them. One of the ways you know someone's integrated, their internal and external, is they want you to see Christ. <laughs> they, don't, they don't need to be recognized Sure, we all want to be recognized, but ultimately to see the beauty of Jesus. That is who we need to see. We don't need to see me. <laughs> that we can see in each other the beauty of God's grace, the beauty of God's glory, and then be pointed to worship and find our rest and wholeness in him. Jesus brings wholeness by integrating the internal and external self. Also, Jesus brings wholeness by aligning our passion with God's humanizing love. He aligns our passion with God's passion. And God's passion is people. Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart. He does not say, blessed are the lustful in heart. He says, blessed are the pure in heart, not blessed are the lustful in heart. As we mentioned, the heart represents our inner self, our thoughts, and our desires. And there's a problem with purity. A problem that we feel. Even, you know, maybe when I read the passage this morning, you're like, pure in heart. You're like, ah, oh, the P word. You know, because purity, often it can feel like, an absence of something good. <laughs> Even just the term itself, it, it, it's like purity, like plainness, like no color, just, just pure, just no real creativity and no real passion. As if God wants us to choose between 
the godly life which is passionless and doesn't do anything that one would want, <laughs> and the lustful life that is full of passion but trouble. You know, purity is also pursuing something. It is the passion life, but passion pursued through the lens of God's humanizing love. There is a contrast between purity of heart and lust of the heart. A few differences. I want to drill a little deeper into this. A purity views our longings and passions and desires through the lens of God and seeing them through his lens. Lust views our passions and longings through devotion to self. Purity, as I mentioned, it pursues something. It pursues noble endeavors. Lust indulges in selfish longings. Purity, there's a wisdom to it. It understands the long-term effects of our actions, that our actions are tied to consequences and relationships. Lust demands instant gratification. Purity, and here's what I want to build toward, purity humanizes other people. Lust dehumanizes others. It views them as objects for one's personal satisfaction. Purity, it acknowledges, it sees people as image bearers of God, worthy of care and love and respect and honor. Lust, it sees people as mere objects to indulge oneself. And also, and lastly, purity, it humanizes us. Lust dehumanizes us. You, know, you may have heard the saying, when, when boys in particular do something that maybe they shouldn't. Well, boys will be boys. You know, what can you do? Boys will be boys. They'll do what boys do. They'll punch Someone else, I don't even know what that apply, what all that applies to, but it applies to them doing something selfish. They'll punch others, they'll do what they shouldn't, they'll maybe look at pornography, you know, that boys will be boys. What can we do? You see, purity says, yes, you know, we fall short, no one is perfect, but as human beings, we're more than just our selfish impulses. Lust wants to boil us down, so we just, it's just it boils us down to our, our worst temptations and says, you know, you can't do any better. And what we must acknowledge is that all of us pursuing purity and lust, there are longings that we have. The heart, this is what Jesus talked about, the heart. There are desires that we have, desires for intimacy, desires for acceptance, desires for money and power. And purity and lust goes about Fulfilling goes differently. Purity, there's wrestles with sexual lust, wrestles with greed, wrestles with the lust for power, but it tries to bring it into God's light. To confess our shortcomings and to pursue Him, seeing 
God. And, you know, research shows that, that lust, lust for power, sexual lust, it, it is dehumanizing. It is destructive. Research shows that when you're generous, you're going to be happier. Research shows that pornography, it leads to greater depression and lower self-esteem. Research shows that when we dehumanize others, we, we hurt ourselves. And now the researchers will say that's because as human beings, you know, that we have two pools. There's the pool for our desires and fulfilling those, but there's also we're, we're social creatures and we, you know, we, we take a delight in helping others. And, and that's true, but there's more. And this is what actually a paradigm shift in science is seeing now. That as human beings, we're not just our impulses and desires, but we're spiritual beings. We have longings that are there because in the biblical view, we're created by God with spiritual longings that can ultimately only be fulfilled in him. And that's the beauty of what Jesus is saying. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We see God's grace, we see the beauty of his glory, and the beauty of his presence, the beauty of God himself. The beauty of God himself, him. You know, this is, this is the tension we all feel. The, the longing behind all of the other longings is the longing for God himself that we, we wrestle with. It's why many atheists, are so angry with God because they want God and they feel he's not there. It's why many of us Christians, when we wrestle with our faith, it's so challenging because if you lose your faith, it's not like just losing keys to your car. You know? You lose your keys to the car, you can get new keys. <laughs> if you lose your faith, it's not like just losing directions or being lost and uh, not knowing where you're at. It's losing the key to meaning of life. It's losing the direction to the wholeness of life. When we lose the gospel, when we lose faith, I mean, it's not just, oh, well, you know, onto something else. I mean, it is at the core of who we are. Our longings are... What drives us? And when you lose that, you lose so much. You lose hope, direction, meaning, heart, perspective. And Jesus, right here, he says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for you shall see. You shall see what you've always wanted to see the longing behind all the other longings, God himself. You know, Megan and I, we have a constant struggle in our home, and it's with the wipers on our car. Right. The windshield wipers. Megan, anytime there starts to be a smear, she wants to change them because she wants to see. And she doesn't want to hear that, you know, anyone know I'm talking about? Maybe your wipers don't do that. I, on the other hand, I don't, I don't care. Like, I don't want to change them. 
I think partly because I'm lazy, but also partly because I'm just stubborn and I, and I, I, like, I'm, I can still see. I'm not going to change them until we have to, until we get in an accident, you know, like real foolish. So we have this constant struggle. Megan's like, can, we change, can you change the wipers? No, see, look, you know, can't see. Oh, there it is. Can't see, you know, like we, we're, we can still make it. I mean, to give you a, a little bit of a problem for me, like one time after college, um, I, you know, it ices. It gets cold, as I mentioned, in the winter. And sometimes it ices on your windshield. And rather than like scraping it off, I just rolled down my window and stuck my head out the window. <laughs> Some of you can do this, right? (laughs) In life, there's going to be storms. There's going to be ice. There's going to be experiences and events that cloud our sight. And at one time, it seemed like seeing Jesus was clear. And then life happens, and we wonder where he is. And we wonder if he can be seen at all. Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart. He says, purity, not perfection. Purity, not performance. Purity, not your possessions. That when we align our heart with his, integrating our inner and an external, and have a life devoted to him, pursuing him honestly, then we can see him. What's preventing you from seeing God? Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he's giving a vision for how to see the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for bringing good news. God, thank you for bringing wisdom. Thank you for desiring wholeness. Lord, may we be honest. Maybe we feel the freedom to be honest. May this church be a safe place where we can be honest. And Lord, in our walk with you, may we be honest with you. May we see you, see your grace, see the beauty of your glory and goodness and the beauty of your presence and desire that above all else. It's in your son's name we pray, amen.